Hello listeners and welcome back to Songs in the Key of Life, where each episode we spend time with a different person, any person, from anywhere to find out what are their top five songs of all time and why they've chosen them. I'm Mel Reed and today I'm with a woman who, while still very young, has lived a full and diverse life to date. Welcome, Maniza. Hi, Al. Before we get into the tracks and why you've chosen them, was it hard choosing only five? hundred percent. I had to really filter down and there, I think there will be a theme that you see come through as we talk through the tracks, but it was hard to filter. Like fives, I don't, I feel like songs are, you attach yourself to songs at different parts of your life and you only don't just have five parts of your life. Sure. There's just so many memories attached to each you know, like a smell or a sound or a taste that takes you back somewhere. Songs are the same. So that, that's what music is. It's a feeling. Yes. So, to so, so it was a really terrible brief, is what you're saying. No, it was terrible. I think we can work on it together next time, Al. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good one. Thank you. Uh, tell me about the first track. Why, when, etc. Okay. So the first track is Missing You by P. Diddy. It's my first memory of a song, also quite a sad memory, which is a bit a morbid way to start this. Sad for you or sad for the song? Sad for me. As a four-year-old, it was my first experience of, oh, this is really morbid, death. And it was my mother's brother who passed away. And I was too young. To understand death at that point and in our culture and religion you do have open caskets and it, it, this particular scenario so my uncle was in a house um, open casket is kind of the, you know the funeral part of it and you can kiss the body goodbye and I still have a memory of that and my mum lifting me up <laughs> I don't give me that face <laughs> And kind of saying goodbye to my uncle. And I remember walking out and my mum absolutely adored her brother. Like it was her favourite brother, the eldest of the family. Her dad died quite young, so he was the caretaker. And she fainted. So again, you know, just a lot of emotions. And again, in our culture, death is really sad. Um, Life isn't celebrated when someone moves on. Right. And it's very much a grieving process. It's, everyone's just crying and crying their eyes out. And and when you say your culture and your history, can yeah. you just elaborate a bit on that? Because not everyone will know. Yeah, so I come from a Pakistani background. So my dad's actually Indian by birth, but um, my mum's Pakistani by birth. My dad's family migrated to Pakistan when the partition happened because he's Muslim as well. So both my parents are Muslim. Yeah. Um, so in the Muslim culture and gotcha. the, the Pakistani culture is the, the culture that I'm talking about. Um, so mum, I still remember, fainted. And I remember just standing there next to all my little cousins and just thinking, oh, is my mum died as well? Like, that's what you think. Death yeah, is gotcha, someone yeah, just falling over drops and, and yeah. you know she, someone slapping her on the face and she wouldn't wake up. Um, and I remember walking into the room, you know, some auntie comes and grabs you, and it's my other little cousin in there as well. So actually, my mum's other brother's daughter 
who was there, obviously, we were all at the funeral together, and she said to me, she was like, did your mum die as well? And she's 18 months younger than me, so she would have been, you know, um, two and a half. And I remember that just scared the life out of me as well. So a very long story to answer that song question, but I remember that, I just remember always hearing that song in the background during one of my first strongest memories as just as a, as a human. Yeah. And have you gone back to this track? A, a, a lot of times. And it's not, I've never actually consciously gone back. It's only, because it is quite a popular song, like you hear it a lot on the radio, it comes back during your R&B playlist or something, it'll always pop up. But, and it always takes me back to that part of my life and it always makes me a little bit sad. Well, it's probably appropriate in that, I mean, Diddy's taken the police song and used the melody, changed the lyrics uh, and done it as a, a kind of love song to uh, Tupac. Yep. Uh, sorry, to Biggie. To, to, to Biggie, yep. To Biggie, who, who died and they were buddies, and that was the whole East Coast, West Coast, you know, yep. feud going on. So um, it's not out of context, it's, but it's completely out of context. It, absolutely. And I think for such someone so young, like when you listen to the lyrics as you get older, they make a lot more sense. So you never end up remembering a song because of the song or the lyrics or, you know, the music at that point. It was just this association with a event in life that just always brings me back to that moment of my first experience of death and that fear of losing someone very close to you as well. So whilst it was a big emotional trigger for you, but it's you still like it and so therefore it still carries. So absolutely however many years later, it still makes the top five. A hundred percent, yeah. Great. Well it's hard to follow that up with such kind of <laughs> you know, rich story behind it. Um, but let's have a crack. Number two, tell me about this one. Just a little Liberty X. Ah, Liberty X. This was my first ever concert in Hammersmith in the UK. Obviously, I'm from the UK. I was born and bred there. Um, I was about 15. And again... Is that the Odeon, the Hammersmith Odeon? what that is, the, it the venue? Was, oh, was it the Odeon? No, it wasn't the Odeon. I think it was actually the Hammersmith Apollo okay. that they would do because I remember the seats. It was like um, like a theatre. Gotcha. Where they do have theatre seats. Right, and sit down and formally kind of watch a play, but it, this time it was a gig. It was Liberty X. It was a gig. And I go back to the culture, you know, we the Muslim Pakistani culture and single mother as well, you know, she... It was me and my sister who grew up where my sister and I are only 12 months apart. And naturally, I think my mum was quite protective of us and wouldn't really let us run wild and be home at a certain point. We always knew all of our friends. A very involved mother. Right, that's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, and this I still remember is the first time she let me out because I went with my best friend who she loved and adored, Natalie, right. as well. And her mum, so Natalie's mum dropped us off to Liberty X and we obviously we were too young to drink or anything and we were so not interested at that point. And it was one of those experiences that I still remember. I was, I don't want to use the word freedom, but it was, it was like 
actually just leaving my nest because it was quite a late finish. And by late, I mean 10 p.m. finish yeah, before but us that, yeah. back then. But also there is no supervision or anything and you're in amongst adults and Absolutely. you're having a taste of adulthood, arguably. Absolutely. And of course, it was one of these gigs that they did that was targeted, you know, for the younger people. It's like a 14 plus gig. But at 100%, there was adults there as well. Everyone's up and dancing. And it was my first experience of partying, essentially, at the age of 15. And we, you know, quite a conservative family. I didn't grow up as a 13, 14-year-old going to parties, you know, really going out and doing that with my group of friends. It was very much a family-orientated dinners and celebrating Eid and food. So quite insular. Absolutely, yeah. Food was our main culture that brought people together, whereas this was experiencing something like music bringing such a massive stadium of people together. And this was quite a big song, wasn't it? Because it was a huge song. They're a British group. Yeah. uh, Yeah. UK, Irish. um, But it was big here in Australia. I I must say, I didn't remember it. it? Yeah. But uh, it was back in 2002. Does that resonate? Yeah. Yeah. So back yep. in, it was released then. Well, the gig might have it been a different be. time. But um, it was number one on the UK singles chart and top 10 Australia, Ireland, the Netherlands, New Zealand. So yep. Antipodean. Yeah. Well, I chose it for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I did. I didn't actually realise it was so popular here. Yeah. I know they're big in the UK, but I didn't actually realise they made it overseas because they are non-existent now. Sad. Not just the event of going out, but do you still, what, what do you like about the track? Oh, do, do you know, I can't, I have to say with the Liberty X song, it's, it's the childhood to adulthood song instead of the actual lyrics of the song. Or the melody or... or the, yeah, I, I, with Liberty X, so, you know, it doesn't really come on radio any much either. It's one of those songs where it doesn't take you back until it's in one of your really old school playlists and you know there's a handful of these songs that you put on with your girlfriends and you go, remember when we were 12 or we used to have um, sleepovers and it used to take you back there as well. So the, this group of girlfriends that I had when we were growing up at that age we did a lot of sleepovers, and surprisingly, they were all at my house. Right. Okay. <laughs> because then your mum could keep an eye on you. Absolutely. Yeah. My mother was always welcoming of my friends, and as you grow up, you realise why. It's because she could keep an eye on us. Really don't know what could have gone wrong. but. And is that why you've left the UK to come and live in Australia? <laughs> I make her sound terrible, but I promise she's not a dragon at all. And it'll be interesting, I think, as we keep this you know continue through the other stories but she has learned to let go I think as during this process of me moving away say that I still think there's parts of her that just cannot let go that's understandable she's a mother at the end of the day that's right that's right okay so we we jump from the UK out to uh, east coast USA yep uh, the sun the fake Body parts, uh, the surf. Tell us about the next one. So the next song is by Flo Rida and T-Pain, featuring T-Pain. Gotcha. Um, I grew up again during this song. This is the song that was played at every club, every student night, 
so during what, university. University years, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, I actually never drank during university. So had a boyfriend the whole way through university and would party sober. I was the driver for all of my friends, but absolutely loved partying and even, you know, still had my mother on my back. Be home by 10 or 11. She had this thing with the dark, which never made sense to me because my thing was, if I'm going to do something inappropriate in her eyes, it doesn't matter if it's light or dark. It was just one of these abnormal views that she had. But I never lived out of home, so I didn't move out of home. Okay, so even though you're you're uh, an adult and you're at university, you're still under the roof of your mother. Correct. Um, so, so she is seeing you go out and she's not going to sleep until you come and lock the, shut the door when you get home. You have nailed it. It's honestly as if I've told you this before, which I know we've never spoken about. My, you know, we've never had this chat about my parents, but she would be up. And she would make it known that she's up when you would try to sneak in because every kid thinks that I'm coming home at 3am and I'll be fine, but absolutely not. No, she would know. She was like, oh, she calls me Neasy. Neasy, you're home? And I'm like, yes. And clearly she's looked at her watch at that point. But that was um, so my ex-boyfriend who I was dating at that point. He was a DJ as well. Yep. So that kind of took me into the partying scene as we went through the teenage years together. And that's a song that he used to play a lot as he would DJ around some of our local clubs where we used to live, which is a little town called Slough in the UK. And Windsor would be our partying area. And of course, as a kid at uni, I say a kid, he is a young adult at uni. You're dating a DJ who's behind the booth, you're standing next to him. Of course, you fall for all the charm. Yep. Great guy, absolutely lovely. Um, but had had a lot of fun during those years of being by his side and going out and seeing the other side of it. Yeah, and 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 getting a bit more attention than other people might have got because of that. Absolutely, and that's where being on the other side. I mean, being on the other side of the dance floor yes. instead of just you know being in the dance floor in the square and passing away you're standing next to the booth and you're watching everyone and it is this slightly elevated platform. It is. And and arguably you're discussing the next uh, disc to play, record to spin, whatever it might have been then. Yeah, absolutely. Now this track uh, was number one for 10 weeks in the US and broke the record for digital download sales at the time of release. So it was massive. It was huge. I can still get Ministry of Sound... Vanilla in Windsor, Bar Indigo in Windsor. These are all the places that we used to go. And it didn't matter which club you were at, it would always drop. But it was always that song where me and my girlfriends would see each other and just go, ah, like scream and just drag each other onto the dance floor. And we'd just, we'd just be dancing to it straight away. What time of the night? Because you know how there are songs at nightclubs that would come on, say the club's finishing at 2, it would come yep. on like 1.15, yep. which was kind of like where <laughs> you see people sort of walking the room to try and pick up. You know, they've got You're 45 minutes. Is what we call it. You're right. peaking. Yeah. So <laughs> Is that too much? <laughs> no, that's fine. When did this one When did this one drop usually? You have nailed it. This is the 1am song. Okay. Absolutely. At the peak of the party, it's coming on and everyone is ready to go. Everyone's had a few drinks. Everyone's in the mood. It's not the party starter, you know, when the DJ's just sort of warming everyone up. It's not the closing song. 
it's the middle of the night, everyone out there, the smoke machines going off as well. Yeah. A lot of fun. Podium dancers at the club. <sighs> Absolutely. Great. Yep. Hot pants, all of that good stuff. Yep. Some very cheap student nights as well, where you just <laughs> right, got some okay. disgusting, like, one pound, two pound drinks. Yeah. Nice. Um, we're getting a theme here. They're, they're all kind of dancey, hip hoppy, dancey tracks. Yep. Is there um, a reason for that? Is this, is this your kind of go to always, or do you look at other styles of music? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I talk about this to my husband, and who loves to take the mick out of me for my song choice as well as a couple of friends who would reference old school, like really popular, you know, English songs or American songs. And I I go back to the home that I was born in and brought up in. So my mother is, you know, we speak Urdu at home, which is our mother language. And my mum's English isn't great. So she finished school at 16, um, got married off to the UK, to to my father. And... When we were growing up, she wasn't playing English or um, Western music. Of course, yeah. She was playing, actually, Bollywood. Okay. That was the big thing that we grew up on. We used to watch Bollywood movies. And there's a lot of those songs that I still remember and know of as well. So music for me was only whatever I found as I started growing up. Yeah instead of being it passed down to, you know, your parents playing an old CD or ABBA or Prince or... Sure. That knowledge for me actually just doesn't exist because I didn't grow up with it. Yeah. And uh, you're not carrying through Bollywood songs to your playlist today? No. Um, It's interesting, I think, as I've moved away from home, I went through this phase of not a culture crisis or an identity crisis, but because I'd left and I really wanted to figure out who I was, I did push away a lot of my cultural identity, especially when I left the UK at 23 and came came traveling and um, started to just find out who I was and what I liked. And I'm now 32, so best part of 10 years. Now I'm starting to get back into identifying and being comfortable and proud of my culture again as we're starting to think about a family at home and I, you know, any future kids that we have, of course I want them to celebrate Eid because it was such a big part of me growing up and it's all the cousins and my in-laws are all Western and I want to bring some culture and some diversity into the things that they celebrate because we have a Christmas tree up at home. Yeah. But why can't we also have all of the aunts and uncles and cousins in a couple of years to hopefully come and celebrate Eid as well? I think everyone should celebrate everything. And it's very big like that at home. But I think there was absolutely a part of me when I was pushing away from home and that you know, insular culture that I, I just pushed it all away. Yes. I didn't want anything to do with it. and I. You needed a clean break before you perhaps got some perspective. Absolutely. And I think, you know, as you are a bit younger, you, you reject it when it didn't meet your needs. And that's rebellion 20s, right? It, teens, 20s, whatever. That's just natural. I am the black sheep of my family. <laughs> we <We're> absolutely <laughs> rebelled. So, yeah. Very good. All right, track four. Tell me about this one. 
So the song is When Love Takes Over by David Guetta featuring Kelly Rowland. Go on. Pasha. Pasha? New York. Club. Go. 22. This ex-DJ that I was talking about, we just split up. It wasn't, uh, it was a hard breakup. And I had two very, still do, back home in the UK, two very good male friends of mine. And they were both single as well. And we were all around that age of 22 and we said, right, we want to go on our first holiday. Where do we go? We did New York for eight nights, which was quite the experience. I can imagine. Had you been out of uh, the UK? I had done Europe. Okay. At that point, but not out of the UK. So that was our big first, you know, t- overseas trip. Not out of Europe. You hadn't, you'd only done Europe, continental Europe, but not Correct. US. Yeah. I also think, as I mentioned, I didn't drink through uni. Yes, you did. Um, I got to New York. I still remember this. It was Friday the 13th. And we landed. And one of my male friends who I thought didn't drink either because he was also of the Muslim background. We got to a club, first night meatpacking district, and he ordered himself an alcoholic beverage. And I was like, oh, my God, Shezzy, what are you doing? I hope he's not listening to this. (laughs) He'd he'd be mortified if I ever told anyone. Um, And he was like, oh, yeah, went on holiday. You know, what happens in New York stays in New York. And I was like, right, well, if he's doing it, maybe I should just try it. It's always something that I wanted to try. But again, in the Muslim culture, it is not allowed, full stop. It's something that you just don't do, like you don't eat pork. And I was like, I'm so far away from home. (laughs) This is the only (laughs) Am I really a Muslim now? I'm in New York. That's it. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I only have to be one of I just left it back in the UK, that whole thing. (laughs) Exactly. I ordered, they ordered me a drink. So actually, no, what they, the both, both of my friends asked, they were like, what would you like? And I said, I, I don't know. What, what do you drink? I, I've never drank before. And they got me a black sambuca, which intense, tasted like licorice, yep. which I know you love, Al. And it wasn't too bad. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is cool. And I probably had one more after that. And I actually still remember it was a Malibu and Coke. Oh, God, that's not a great drink. I didn't think it was too bad because it was quite sweet. It but all you could taste was the Coke. True. And but a bit of coconut or something. Absolutely. Yeah. But for somebody who's never drank Probably before, a good thing. Yep. it wasn't the alcoholic taste. So we're in this nightclub, meatpacking district, and I've heard my, had my first taste of alcohol, and I got a bit tipsy, and it was the best night of my life. And I was like, what is the big fuss? Why does my mother make alcohol sound like the devil like it's not that bad it's as long as i'm fine i'm not blacked out we went home we slept it off no hangover got up the next morning did it again hit me harder probably drank too much at that point because i thought i was you know really teflon absolutely (laughs) teflon um there's a photo of me somewhere hugging the toilet bowl so the three of us friends who were away together we got a three-bedroom apartment just not too far from Times Square 
and we all had our own um, little room each. But one of the boys obviously clearly did me a favour in taking a photo of me of hugging the toilet seat because that's Gosh. my first experience. Pre-social media, thank God. Thankfully, 100%. And then one of our last nights, there was Pasha, which is a big chain. So there's a Pasha in the UK, in London, um, a Pasha in Ibiza, and a Pasha in New York as well. Which is a club. A nightclub, gotcha. yeah. And we, we always knew David Guetta was playing, massive fans, the three of us, and we got tickets and that was our last night, hurrah, going there. And that song is that song of that era, of that holiday, of that, you know, that first sip of alcohol, the first adult holiday of, again, just finding yourself and actually realising some of the things that you've always been told by your family doesn't necessarily mean it's correct or right because you've just been told something for your whole life. Yes. And for me, it was that that was that realization of I need to figure this out for myself. Yeah. And the only way I can do this is by trying and experimenting. And this stuff that I've still never tried. So that's pork. I've yeah. just never wanted to, and I'm very comfortable with that. But then there's other things that I've absolutely dabbled in and tried because my curiosity has led me to there. And things have continued and not continued. And I've tried a cigarette before and I hated it. And my lungs didn't cope. And I'm like, oh, God, this is horrible. But I've tried it. I now know what it is. Absolutely. Mm. And it's put my curiosity to bed. So the the David Guetta song is me and my, my single friends, 22, New York. Still one of the best holidays of my life. And... You, you, again, you're starting to see that theme of con- consistently just growing and finding myself during these different phases of my life. But these holidays have been, and these moments have been a big part of that shift continuously forward. And he's the French DJ, record producer. I think he's like 50 million record sales globally. So, you know, he's been pretty successful. He is huge. He is amazing um and you're right you know that I there is that dance theme coming through within the music choices that I've made as well but I do I gravitate towards that because it gets me on the dance floor and I am you know a very active and love dancing (laughs) I'm not a great dancer (laughs) I will doesn't matter (laughs) I still admit that but get me out there and I am very confident to be in the middle of the dance floor and just having a good time. Life's too short not to. And that those are the things that put you in a happy place. And they, they uplift your mood. Great. And to, and to close it out, track five, I guess that's continuing the theme because, again, a dance track from a band not known for dance tracks. It, correct, yeah. Um, Coldplay, Adventures of a Lifetime. This is the most recent adult tying the bow off, like you said, memory. Yep. I walked down the aisle to this song. Oh, well done. Yeah. Well, it's the most recent one, so we've got a bit of a, a timeline here. Yeah, and it is one of those songs, you know, when you listen to the lyrics as well, like I think I've when we were trying to pick our song of walking down the aisle, there's a lot of soppy stuff, and it's just not who we are. And clearly, Adventures of a Lifetime is a little bit of who I am. And I think that really reflected me. And 
it talks about, you know, diamonds being made through the rough and um, just going through those hard times as well and just continuously having fun and exploring in life, which there, there is, you know, with the other songs, I, maybe we haven't talked as much about the lyrics or the content and they've been more phases and memories and stages, yeah. connections, whereas I think with The Adventures of a Lifetime by Coldplay there's more to the lyrics for this song um, as well as continuing naturally which I actually haven't thought of until talking to yourself right now there is there's a theme that's carried through even to that part of my life which I'm glad has was reflected but everything else that I was listening to you know the Elvis Presley songs the the natural it's not me I was never grown up on that and it's it's a happy track. Again, it puts you in a good place. Yeah. Liam, my husband, will never be able to tell you what my track was walking down the aisle because he was just so zoned out. <laughs> We've spoken about it. He was just it. In, in focus mode. I, I Is what he tells me. That's what I think. And I said to him when we got home, not home, we went to a hotel after the wedding, and I said, do, do you remember the song? Because like, actually... We were looking at picking the Walking Down the Isle song together, but I think as um, we ended up, unfortunately because of COVID, we had a nine-person wedding, so nine guests and plus the two of us. So the little special things we could do for each other, I chose this song by myself. Yep. And, you know, we'll make it bigger for the, hopefully the celebration that we do. And I was so happy and proud of the song. And it just, it did, it meant a lot to me, but also who we are. And the lyrics were beautiful. And I remember getting to the hotel after the whole huff and puff, and it was one of the first things I asked him. I was like, what did you think of my Walk Down the Isle song? And he looked at me completely blank. Yeah. No idea. I'd really really love to tell you that I thought it was amazing, but I have no idea what the song was, so I can't help you there. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I played it for him again when we got into the hotels. We were getting changed for dinner. I was like, well, you have to listen. (laughs) Did he give it the thumbs up then? He gave it the thumbs up, which was... A great way to start the night off on the track again. Well done. Thank you for sharing. Now, remember, everyone, Manisa's Spotify playlist is in the episode notes of the show. So subscribe. Give us a good rating. This has been Songs in the Key of Life. Thank you, Manisa. Thank you, Al. And thanks for listening. What's the first album you bought? Usher. Oh, which one was it? Um, it is called, I, eight, it, it's numbers, um, and the, the numbers escape me, sorry. Usher, numbers. Numbers, yep. Gold.